The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I am your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of stillcurtain.com. Joining me, as always, is contributor Shane Kubis. We're coming off a Steelers win here. But one that we don't feel particularly good about, Shane, it was a it was kind of a close back and forth slot fest, if you will. And it required two defensive touchdowns to get the job done. Uh, we're going to talk about the Steelers versus Raiders. We're going to preview that game, talk about the odds. Shane and I will give our predictions later in the pod. We're also going to talk about the Steelers offense or lack thereof, rather, and what Kenny Pickett uh, and the offensive line can do to improve things moving forward but first before we do that let's talk about the news this week and let's rehash the Steelers versus Browns game Shane in week two obviously Steelers came away uh with a narrow victory here 26 to 22 score uh but like we said 14 of those points were scored on the defensive side of the football so you have 12 points Shane we are now two weeks into the season nine and a half nine and a half points per game from the Pittsburgh Steelers offense what do you make of this? I, let's start about with your biggest takeaways uh, from the Steelers versus Browns game in week two. I mean, well, the biggest takeaway is that the defense is the better offense for this team, right? Like clearly we just need to let them be for on sure. the field all the time. Just <laughs> punt the ball away on first down. Just let the defense go out there and see if they can score twice. Right. Like now I'm just, yeah. you know, it, but again, it's, it's just ridiculous, right? I mean, we scored 19 offensive points and the defense has scored 14. Like at some point that gap's got to widen a little bit, right? Like we can't allow the defense to, to keep pace with the offense. I mean, I guess if they can keep doing it every week, then great. But I, th- that's not going to happen in the NFL, right? Like, that's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. So, it, again, like, the, we won this game because the Browns' offense was pretty much just as bad. They just had a run yeah. game that they were able to lean on early and then had a couple big plays late that kept them in the game and got them a couple scores. Outside of that, they were just as bad, right? Like, Deshaun Watson looked mm-hmm. awful. He continues to look awful. And we, quite honestly, got bailed out by our defense. Like, Highsmith with the sack, oh, yeah. fumble to, you know, with five minutes left, giving us a lead and making the Browns have to go score, and they just couldn't do it. Like, obviously, the initial pick six on the first play of the game, like, that is what carried us to victory. And the, the offense did a couple things that were better than week one. But, again, you know, five-point difference in scoring does not equal a good offensive performance. And, you know, we'll talk more about it. But just, again, like, the defense carries us mm-hmm. once again. Yeah, it was just a train wreck. It yeah. was an absolute train wreck. I'm going to pull out some stats here in a little bit when we talk oh about yeah, uh, what fun. the offense can do to improve. <laughs> uh, but it was not good, no. Shane. Uh, it, let's move on from this for now. We'll get back to this Browns yeah. game here in just a minute. Uh, and if you guys are joining us here in the live chat, uh, please drop uh, drop any comments or questions you might have yes. for us. And yep. Shane and I would love to get your questions. 
Uh, let's talk about the Nick Chubb injury for a second here. I know not a Steelers player, but very much impacts the Steelers, the AFC North. I mean, Nick Chubb, for my money, is maybe the second best running back in the league. I think you got McCaffrey and you got Chubb. And like I, I feel like those two guys are, are kind of on their own a little bit for the, what they offer their respective teams. And so, and if you didn't see the injury, I mean, if you're watching the game, you probably did, obviously, but devastating the injury. I mean, the knee just buckled inside out. It was, it's kind of like going way back to, I think it was 2015 when, when yeah. Chubb did that at Georgia. And so not an injury you want to see at all for his career. He's going to be 29 years old next year. You wonder if this is maybe the end of Nick Chubb. And if he does come back for a couple more years uh, at that running back position, we know how that shelf life is anyway. Is he going to be the same player at all after a, some such a major uh, knee injury? So we don't have a timetable of his return. But it does affect the Browns game plan moving forward. I mean, this this could potentially I don't think Shane and everybody, if you know, you know me and how I rant on Twitter sometimes. I don't think that most running backs move the needle very much at all. If any, yeah. I think that Chubb is one of those guys who potentially do because the Browns offense and their game plan has to run through Nick Chubb. And so, you know, there's going to be a, jo a drop from Nick Chubb to Jerome Ford. There just is. And, and whoever else the Browns go out and decide that they want to get. Um so that's going to impact them moving forward. And then even in this next matchup, when they play the Steelers again this year, uh, you don't have to game plan for Nick Chubb being there. Yeah. And I think the first thing I want to mention with his injury is obviously it, we're fans of the Steelers, not the Browns, but no one wants to see Nick Chubb go out. Like for sure. yeah. one of the most fun players to watch carry the football, maybe at least in my lifetime, honestly, mm -hmm. like you just, I think people don't understand, like even going back to college, like before he tore his knee up and even after, like he's still, he eventually got back to the player that he looked like prior to that injury. But I was watching Chubb a lot in Georgia at that time before his knee blew up. I was already thinking like, this guy might be the best running back I've ever seen. Like he was, he was that unbelievable in college and it, it did eventually translate to the NFL once he got back healthy. But if he can't come mm -hmm. back fully healthy from this, if he can't do it again, because again, this is basically the same injury from what I've seen to what he had at Georgia. He's already done it once, but he did it as like a, you know, a 1920 year old, not, not yeah. a, you know, guy that's getting into his not late, late twenties, but getting closer to there. And you hope he can come back because again, I want to play the best. And also I want to see a guy like that continue to play. He's the best pure runner in the sport. Like you can talk about Christian McCaffrey because of his receiving ability and the offense he plays in like what, who's better. But if we're just talking about who do I want to tote the rock in the situation where I need six yards on, on second down or for, you know, whatever, it's going to be Nick Chubb. Like Derrick Henry mm. was that guy for a while. I'm like, he still can do that, but he's always been much of a guy that needs that open lane to really get up and going because of his size, right? Like once he's in the open field, forget about it. Chubb breaks tackles from the second he has the ball to whenever the play is over. Like he can make moves in the backfield, all of that. So you hope that he can come back at some point, but it's certainly, like you said, it is going to affect the Browns because mm. They had a trump card basically on third downs and short yard situations and trying to stay ahead of the chains. That was basically they're like, yeah, we're going to get five yards every time this guy touches the ball. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry for his career. That's gone now. Jerome Ford played well in this game. He had the long run thanks to Levi Wallace. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. But outside of that, he didn't do the stuff, and he's not going to do the stuff mm -hmm. that Nick Chubb does, right? So you you wonder if this is going to really impact their season because of the fact that Watson has not come back to the level that they wanted him to play at. Yeah, and for my money, Shane, the, the most consistent runner in the league over the last four or five years. Yes. Just, yeah. just a staple to that offense, and so devastating blow for them. I do feel for them. We don't we don't want to see injuries to no. anybody. It doesn't matter if it's, it's a rival that we hate or not. No. Uh, we do have a question popping mm -hmm. in here. 
Uh, let's see. All right. Do the Steelers need to man manufacture more touches of Calvin Austin? Uh, lack of team speed is concerning. It, it's absolutely concerning, Dustin. And I, I think that uh, I think that the answer is probably yes. I mean, I, I think that he needed to be more involved than in what he was. The Steelers obviously were the worst team in the league in yards after the catch last year. I think Austin can very much help in that regard. And so I, we said this on the curtain call yesterday, Shannon. Give me a drag route. Like, give me Calvin Austin in a drag, something we have not seen this year yet for the Steelers and let's see what he does with it. The guy runs four, three, he has 11 foot three broad jump. And it's so explosive coming out of Memphis. So productive. Uh, I'd like to see him kind of, I mean, bridge that gap, obviously losing a Deontay Johnson, uh, who we're going to talk about here in a second too, is, is huge. Uh, but if you don't have anything to make up for that, then your offense is just going to be so stale. So yes, I do think that Austin needs to get more involved. And I don't know if it, the, the answer is engineering touches for him. I think that, I think that he's a guy that can get open on his own. We'll see what happens. Uh, and Stewart's got a tough test. I mean, it, his yeah. first two weeks were against some really good defenses. And so sure. uh, I can't, I can't put it all on, on one person or the next, but there's a combination of factors going on here. Uh, but yeah, it's a good question there. Uh, Let's talk about Mike Tomlin's comments for a second here, Shane. It's much of the same with Coach T. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it, a lot of the old cliches that we get pretty much every time. He did say that he's not going to make any knee-jerk reactions uh, to what we saw this past week in terms of players that were performing badly. Obviously, everybody at Acrisure Stadium chanting "Fire Canada" and for for obvious reasons there. Uh, but there was a lot of bad. There was a lot of bad in this game. And, and I, we, I said on the curtain call yesterday, it's, it's one of those games where you don't come out of this feeling super optimistic about your team in the slightest because it, it quite literally re required a pair of defensive touchdowns for you to win this game. And so uh, when, when he says no knee-jerk reactions, that to me sounds like, all right, we're not making it, corresponding moves to say, yeah, we are we are moving forward in a different direction at a one position or another. And there were a couple guys that I thought just played horrible in this game. Shane, we, we were harping on, on Levi Wallace a little bit there. I thought this two, two game stretch from Wallace to begin the season is as bad as I've seen from a starting cornerback in the NFL in quite some time. And so, and you do see plays when Jordan, Joey Porter comes on the field for as limited as, as what it is. He had a pass deflection early in the game, and then he came back in final play of the game to, to get the Browns off the field. It's, he, he drove the receiver to the sideline and, and call it defensive holding, whatever. He had a great play, and, and nothing was called there, obviously. So I do think that uh, changes need to be made. Do you get the impression that Tomlin is leaning that way or no? So I, in, in most cases, the whole knee-jerk reaction thing in the NFL is very much a smart idea. You do not want to make sweeping changes yeah. based off of a small sample size. However, there are certain changes that are just so apparently needed that it does not matter that it's two weeks into the season. And a lot of those are offensive, but when you talked about Levi, I, my studs and duds haven't come out yet. I did finish that up. We'll have that up on Still Curtain later today probably, but – Levi, I had a whole section just for him because he's a guy that his story is really cool. He was a walk-on in Alabama, got a scholarship junior, senior year, worked himself into an NFL combine invite, got, went undrafted, all that stuff, won a starting job with the Bills. He's done a great job for himself in his career, but he is cooked. There is, there is nothing left for mm -hmm. him as a starting corner in the NFL. He was already behind the eight ball athletically from the get-go. He's a 4-6-3 guy. We've talked about that. Steelers love their 4-6 corners lately for whatever reason. But 
ultimately with him is once you reach a point where you lose any sort of steps, and I think he has lost about a step at this point. He was already yeah. about two steps behind most of the top guys athletically. He straight up can't cover anybody anymore. I mean, Amari Cooper was just mm-hmm. working him out there. He It was no contest. And again, Amari Cooper's a great receiver, so I'm not going to sit here and say like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Joey Porter Jr. would have locked him up or anything like that. But he can hang with him physically. Like he can at least affect him in his routes and stay with him and stay in sticky coverage where Levi just can't do it. And it's not his fault necessarily. It is what it is. Like he just can't do it anymore. But the, my biggest problem is if you're not going to be able to cover people, at least do your job in other facets of the game. He let that 69-yard run by Jerome Ford up because he did not maintain his contain. And once he mm-hmm. got around him, guess what? You saw the lack of speed. He couldn't catch up with him, and he gave up on the play. And at that point, I'm sorry, he's got to be off the field. Like, that's just what it comes down to. Yep. And that play, Shane, that was really the icing on the cake yes, for me. That was- that did it for me. I'm like, okay, this was such a bad angle that you took. You were not – I mean, if you're, you can do one of two things. You can either contain – or you can be aggressive. He yes. didn't either. He, he no, stood he just stood in place right? for too long. Yes, he, he stood in place, waited for, for a drum to get outside of him. And then at that point, that, that's all she wrote because Walsh doesn't have the makeup speed. And so I'm done. I'm ready to move on. I mean, that's that that's my opinion. That's that's how I would view this. Yeah. I mean, Porter has looked solid when he's come in, albeit limited snaps. This is the guy you drafted. We know that from the beginning that Walsh was just a stopgap guy. And so I'd like to see them move on there. All right, enough about Levi. Uh, let's continue on here uh, with some of the other news this past week. Deontay Johnson and Anthony McFarlane both land on IR. We knew that Cam Hayward was going there. I mean, the guy's going to be out half the season. Unfortunately, it's one of Steelers' best players. I was optimistic that Johnson wouldn't miss that long, but it's not surprising at the same time. I guess what it does give the Steelers, Shane, is it kind of lines up with that early uh, week six bye. And yeah. so they can t- he can take the four weeks off get that extra sixth week and then hopefully be ready and back to full speed after that uh, with no setbacks. And what I didn't want them to do was rush Johnson back to the field, have him suffer a setback and then land on IR eligible to return, miss another four weeks, middle of the season. So he's going to get it done and over with right away. Anthony McFarland though, this one came as a bit of a surprise to us because he played uh, early on and we didn't, we didn't, really foresee the knee injury being an issue. And so now all of a sudden Anthony McFarland's on IR Steelers uh, promote Godwin Egwabuki uh, grab him from the, the Falcons practice squad. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, this one is, I was hoping that McFarland would be a guy that can kind of step in and give him a few touches here and there. I mean, he's very splashy uh, during the preseason. He has that explosive play ability. We know the Steelers could use some of that as well. Uh, but he is also gone for on IR as well. And so these guys are missing at least four games. Yeah. And like Deontay, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like you said, I think that was the best move because if you mm-hmm. try to bring him back too early when really the next three games, the Ravens game is the one that's toughest. And honestly, at this point, the way they're playing, I don't know if he would have made that much of a difference um, whether he yeah. played or not. Like if we win that game, it's going to probably be because of our defense anyway. So realistically get, getting him back after the bye week should allow him to finish the season healthy and, at least not because of the hamstring, right? If it's something else, then whatever. But his hamstring should be fully recovered by that point. And then McFarland's unfortunate because the guy finally makes the roster. He has a couple of nice plays and goes down. You just hope that when he gets back that he's he's reinserted as a third back in the kick returner. So. Mm-hmm. And, and so 
in corresponding moves, Shane, the Steelers signed defense tackle Braden Fahoko yep. uh, to their active roster up from the practice squad. So we can we can probably assume that he's going to be a little bit involved here. I know the Steelers' run defense obviously has not been great. No. And then again, the context matters, though, too. You played two, perhaps the two best rushing teams in the NFL in back-to-back weeks. Now, the Browns won't be this year without Nick Chubb, I'm sure. Right. Uh, but they've been that way for the past couple of years. Uh, and then to replace Anthony Farland, Godwin Ig- Buke was signed off of the pro- pra- uh, excuse me, off of the Falcons practice squad, meaning that he'll have to be uh, on the active roster for the Steelers. I can't imagine him doing much, though, kind of just in that reserve role there for yeah. them. Anything you want to add so. there? No, I mean, Eagle Beakway's he's made a couple plays in the preseason mm-hmm. in the past, and he I, did, I think he played for the Lions a little bit as well, where he got some snaps, but he's probably just depth to have in case, you know, one of the two, top two guys goes down. So he at least has played before. Yeah. So, All right, Shane, let's move on uh, to our first big di- discussion topic uh, of our show here today. And if you guys are just joining us now, uh, please drop a message in the chat. If you guys have a question that you'd like us to answer or something we want to go yes. over, uh, we'd love to be able to get to those as well today. All right, Shane, how can the Steelers improve this dismal offense? I don't, whatever adjective you want to use insert here. There's a lot. It's been that use, bad yeah. and, and, and doing simple math, Shane, I'm not a math guy, but nine and a half points from the offense in scoring per game, seven points per game for the defense in scoring. I mean, it shouldn't be this close, really. And that, this, I mean, not to fault the defense. We won this game because of the defense. The offense has to get better. It has to get better. Uh, let, let, I'm going to fire off some stats for you here. I've got to pull it up. I'm sure. I'm All right. Steelers right now through two games. Get get ready. Cover your ears uh, for, for the squeamish here. 32nd in the league in offensive points per game. 31st in total yards. 31st in rushing yards. 18th in passing yards. 30th in yards per play. 29th in third down conversion percentage. 32nd in first downs. 31st in time of possession. All of that, Shane, collectively equates to a garbage offense that is the worst in the league right now. So how can we get better from here? Where do we go from here? I know that we had two tall tasks against very stout uh, front sevens these past two weeks. That matters. But the offensive line play is bad. The play calling is bad. Kenny Pickett has been atrocious. Let's start with Pickett here, Shane. How can Kenny Pickett improve in week three and beyond compared to what we saw these first two weeks. So really the, the top thing he can do individually is, is hit his throws that have been there because so far there's been a lot of moments where he had throws to make and they were open yes. and he hasn't made them. Now I will get more into this as we talk about the, the next you know part of the offense that we have to improve and just the overall offense. But I think the biggest issue here is we're, we're having a compounding problem take place where, and it starts with the play calling. The play calling is not good, right? So you start off on a bad foot. It's just gonna be the. It's just gonna be how it is. Like he's not going to call good plays. We know this. Canada isn't gonna do it. Then you have to take that bad play and you have to try to execute it properly. Well, the offensive line has not held up at all. Again, against a tough front both times, and it's it's been rough for them to play these guys. But they have shown no improvement from last year, really the last couple of years. Then because of that. You're now behind the chains most of the time because you can't run the football. You're pressured most of the time on third down because they know you're passing because it's third and 10. And then you have a young quarterback who is clearly rattled from his week one that did not go so well and has still not been able to rebound from that. So it's all just this compounding issues mm-hmm. that just keep happening. And until one of those chains breaks, right, whether the play calling improves, which we don't expect, the offensive line play improves, or Kenny just says, well, screw it, I'm going to have to figure it out and just start hitting more of these throws that have been open, 
one of these things has to happen. I think the most likely thing is that Kenny just gets his accuracy more back in place. And he starts hitting some more throws. Like that's the thing I think that is the clearest path to happening. Cause we've seen it from him already. Like inaccuracy was never yeah. really an issue with him prior to these first two games. So if he can start hitting some of these open throws with more regularity, like he had a couple in this game, you know, the, the touchdown to Pickens that was perfectly placed while getting hit. Granted, he was wide open, but it was still right in Brad Baskin, right where mm-hmm. he didn't score. But until we see one of those chains break, and I'm hoping it's going to be that, this is just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, w- accuracy has not been an issue with Kenny Pickett in college. Like that's not an area no, that he typically struggles. He, no. He's pretty at least generally accurate. And I, I think that being skittish is the problem right yes, now because it's, it's the of that offensive line play. Yeah. And, and I posted the grades of the Steelers uh, offensive line this week. It was really bad. And so yeah, it's, it, bad. it's, again, what everybody needs to understand, I feel like it's not a one size fits all. It's not just Pickett. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just Canada. It truly is a collection yes. of all three. So we're going to get to these other two in just a second here. Uh, but but Pickett has to play better. I mean, these, some he of does. these are routine throws. I think he's rushing him a little bit because, I mean, Garrett was getting in there fast. Zedarius was getting in there fast. That pressure right in his face. And so uh, he, he's trying to get the ball out and, and deliver the pass. Now, kudos to him for hanging in there tough yes. when he took a yeah. big shot. And that was on the 71-yard touchdown pass to, to George Pickens. Pickens did the work after the catch, but he did the tough work early on by, by hanging in there. And so those are the big-time throws that you like to see uh, Kenny Pickett make the problem is he's missing on the routine stuff. Yeah. And when you go back and watch the all 22 Shane, it's a little bit less encouraging even than what we see on the broadcast view, because you're seeing that the Pickett is just not, he's not, doesn't, he's not feeling where the defensive coverage is. Like the guy had yeah, the linebacker slide right underneath there of the safety. It was Delpit that did uh, for the, the one uh, pass yeah. th- for the interception. Never saw him kind of just tunnel vision right there. It got locked up on Pickett uh, Pickens. And, and kind of just went to his first read, did not see Delpit sliding underneath. And there was another play later in the game, Shane, that nobody's really talking about right now. I think the same thing would have happened. He's looking on another slant route, and the ball gets batted down. I can't remember if it was Dalvin Tomlinson or whoever. whoever uh, yeah, batted I, it I there. think I remember that play, yeah. It, it, the ball was batted down, but it certainly looked like that could have been another disastrous play right there, Shane. And then you look at the, the, the third questionable decision of that game, Pickett's rolling, rolling to his right, rolling to his right. Now, now it looks like he's trying line. to, he, he, yeah, yeah, it looks like he's going to throw the ball out of bounds. <laughs> and then he does not. He tries to either squeeze it in or if it was a, it was a throw out of bounds attempt, it was dreadfully failed because yeah. that ball yeah. hit a Browns defender right in the hand, should have been picked off. So the decision-making has been very poor. Uh, I think that Pickett's playing a little bit scared right now, and that is not what you want. Like I, I went into this season, Shane, going on record and saying that I think Pickett's best trait is his confidence. Yeah. He was so confident looking uh, throughout the summer, during the preseason. We saw this during his senior year at in the ACC at, at Pitt. And so now, if you get that confidence shaken, it's so hard to get it back as a quarterback. And so I hope that's not the case. I hope that he can have a really big confidence-building game uh, this week, again, in primetime football, uh, this time against the Raiders, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, but, but Pickett has to be improved, and I think it has to start with – his decision-making, and just got to get that confidence back. I know that your line has not given you a reason to be confident, but got to get it back. With that said, Shane, let's talk about the offensive line and where they can improve. What do they have to do moving forward? Because it's been a train wreck so far. First thing they can do is get Dan Moore off the field. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say this because he's a guy that we are hoping can yeah. continue to at least incrementally improve 
over the course of his career. And it's been two games and it's been two really tough matchups. I get it. But he has been beyond abysmal as a pass blocker. Mm-hmm. I mean, just atrocious. And it gets to a point where you just have to wonder, as, as much as I have questions about Broderick Jones' ability to pass protect at a high level as a rookie, one, he's undoubtedly a better run blocker already, like without a doubt. Better mm-hmm. athleticism, better strength, everything. But if Moore's going to be this poor as a pass blocker, does it matter if Jones is also bad? Like at this point, like because he can't be worse realistically, at least from like a from, from what we've seen so far from Dan Moore, he cannot possibly be worse. So even if he takes his lumps, at least he's out there helping with the run game. At least he's getting experience. Like I just don't see the benefit of leaving more out there at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you move him over at some point. Maybe if a core four continues not to really impress, he's at least been average at best this year so far. Like, but it, maybe he gets another chance to play tackle or right tackle at some point. But I just don't see the benefit in sitting a guy unless he truly like isn't ready to play, which I don't think he looked that bad. Like he looked good enough in the mm-hmm. preseason where like he knows what he's supposed to be doing. It just might not always work out. I ha- I have to see that move happen before I think this line is going to yeah. get significantly better. Yeah, Shane, I couldn't agree with you more. It has to happen. I mean, you trade up to the 14th overall pick to get a guy who you think Rightfully can help so. you at left tackle. Yeah. And I know that they weren't planning. I know the plan was not to start him this early, but we've seen how things are going mm-hmm. with Dan Moore. And I want to chime in with this real quick because there's a narrative going out there that that Miles Garrett just make no difference at all. <laughs> Dan Moore's been down the last couple times they played. Please, please, please consider the context here. Yes it's okay if 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 miles garrett does not have a, a sack on the stat sheet does not mean that he did not make an impact in this game yes. he pulverized dan moore and i went it's back and watched this game twice sure. already so so let the eye test tell you what's actually going on don't let the box score determine how good a player is because miles garrett is a good player whether you guys want to admit it or not uh, I, I know it's hard for a lot of Steelers fans, and, and I love Watt. Watt is—I'd still take Watt over Garrett. That's—I yes. think that the splash plays matter. Especially for our scheme, especially for our it, scheme. And for for the Steelers, I think that I think that Watt is phenomenal, and the plays that he creates—they can't win a lot of these games without him. But Garrett is also an exceptional player in his own right. So don't act like he didn't make a difference in this game. He just bulldozed more, and it's part of the reason why Pickett was so uncomfortable was because of Miles Garrett. And so, not to go on a Garrett rant here, but I do want to give him the credit that he's due for this game. He had an yeah, excellent game. So, at the same time, Shane, Dan Moore had a 3.5 pass block grade. 3.5. Yeah. In true pass sets, it was a perfect zero. So, you can't get much worse than what we've seen from Dan Moore so far. Again, albeit against great competition, you would against Nick Bosa. You against Miles Garrett, it's not going to get much harder than that. It's not going to get any harder than that on the Steelers no. schedule this year. No. However, I do think that it's time. I, I think that as early as we are entering week three right now, it is time to go to your vastly more talented first round pick in Broderick Jones, who can handle this, who was the five-star recruit, who was, doesn't have a ton of experience, but was in the best college football program in the nation, the championship program at Georgia. He's ready for this next step, I think, more so than what Dan Moore has shown in his third season now. And so I do think that that's the first part of it. The second part, Shane, when it comes to how can the offensive line improve, I was very discouraged when I, when I went back and saw some of the things that I saw and Brian Baldinger had a breakdown of some of the things that are going wrong for the Steelers offensive line. And I was scratching my head. Like I got, I got some serious questions for Pat Meyer right now because the Steelers on the goal line, trying to punch the ball in on that conversion attempt with Najee Harris. These guys are positional blocking. 
They are reach blocking. You are not hitting hat on a hat and trying to drive the guy forward in front of you in these run plays. You are positional blocking and trying to, to get your body in the way and, and, and turn and move defenders that way instead of moving them forward in front of you. And so I have really some serious questions about why this is happening and in the situations that they're happening so far. I think that's part of the problem uh, when we talk about Steelers run game specifically. So uh, it, that could be a Pat Meyer problem. And if we have a Pat Meyer problem, well, then that stems deeper than what we can do personnel-wise on the offensive line. And so that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Are the Steelers going to continue that route of what, let's try to turn and reach block people instead of just get a hat on a hat and, and drive people forward? Because I think that that's, it, that's a mentality that a lot of other good teams have and good offensive lines have is, especially in running situations. I mean, we, the, your, your goal is to dominate the guy up in front of you. And it doesn't seem like Steelers have that same goal in mind. There's more of a technical standpoint. Let's just, let's turn and move people uh, east and west instead of north and south. And so uh, something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, let's talk about Matt Canada here before we get into our game preview, Shane. Is he the biggest issue of the uh, of them all? And we have a couple uh, uh, Matt Canada question in the chat as well. But is mm -hmm. is Canada the big biggest issue of them all right now? Yeah. So yeah, as far as the chat questions, you're about to hear a lot about Matt Canada. So you'll get your answers there. Um, as far as the question, because for our topic, should the Steelers fire Matt Canada? Absolutely, should have already happened. However, the biggest problem with it right now is because of the fact that the offense is poorly coached and poorly called the players that are already struggling are going to struggle that much more, right? And we talked about it whenever I was talking about Kenny Pickett and how he can improve. It all comes from the top, right? So Matt Canada is the start of the chain of issues. His play calling, his sequencing of plays, his inability to cre be creative, his inability to adjust to things, it all starts that issue and it all goes downhill from there, right? Now, if we fire him, I don't know who's going to call plays. I don't particularly care because it can't be worse than what it is. But at this point, when you talk about continuity, right, that was something that they talked about. The reason why he was brought back, you know, I really think it's just because they don't fire people. We know that. We talk about that mm -hmm. all the time. But it's great to have continuity if that continuity is positive, but he's not teaching these guys anything. He's not helping them learn the positions. He's not helping them learn the offense any better. Everything is just continuing yeah. to take a downhill slide. And for me mm – -hmm. What it comes down to, and you talked about with the offensive line coaching, right? I don't know what Pat Myers necessarily trying to get these guys to do because it's just not something that's in my expertise. However, with the reach blocking, with the positional blocking, all that stuff, we have a running back, our main running back, as a guy who's 240 pounds. <laughs> yes, he has movement skills side to side. He has that stuff going for him. But that's really best used in the open field. They continue to run him on outside runs. They continue to run non-power runs with him. And people were wondering, well, why is Najee dancing? Why is it's like, yeah, he has issues with that. But if you get if, – if the play call is, hey, we're running right down these guys' throats, I want you to, to just either create a hole that's, that's not there by going straight north and south, or I want you to hit that hole as hard as you can when it opens up and punish people mm -hmm. in the level. That is not what they're doing offensively. They're running shotgun runs. Like all these, all these things. I'm like, you do not have the personnel to do this. You don't have a wide zone running offense to begin with. So running outside runs with this guy and trying to reach block, it's just not going to work. Like your tackles don't have mm -hmm. the ability to get out there and do that right now. Now, if Jones was out there, they'd have a better success on outside runs because he can get out there easier and he has more ability to do that. But again, you're trying to run runs with Najee that don't work because you're not running runs that he would be good with. And Jalen Warren, when he has been in there so far, his efficiency has gone down in a small amount of carries because they're not opening holes at all. 
So it just doesn't – like nothing mm-hmm. is working with the run game specifically. And I think it's going to be the reason ultimately this offense takes even longer to get going because they have to be ahead of the chains for Matt Canada's offense to have a chance to work, right? It even doesn't guarantee it's going to, but at least gives you a shot. You cannot go to third and 10 with his offense and be successful. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and credit Najee there a little bit too because the, those big runs that he had, he was bottled up in the backfield. It was yeah. Najee doing the work of breaking the tackles. Now, we know that he's not super fast when you get him out in space, but I mean, the Steelers could have barely had positive rushing yards yes, this game if it wasn't yes. for those two. They, like they Legitimately, they were right there. And by the way, I just said the Steelers are last in the league in rushing, and so it's not hard to see why. But I agree with you, Shane. You're trying to run Najee out of shotgun, shotgun outside of tackle. That is not where he's going to win. I mean, that's something that Anthony McFarland or Jalen Warren could be have doing. Have a better chance, at least. Probably yeah, a little bit more blocked. effectively. If you get blocked. Yeah, it, yeah. Exactly. And the the blocking matters so much here too. So people always question like, if you want to get rid of Canada so bad, and there's a lot of people defending him still, and that's fine. But if you want to get rid of Canada so bad, what is he doing wrong? And and what I would ask you to do is I I, I would point to the passing concepts. They are so poor. They are so poor. And and I've seen the actual plays Mm -hmm. on PFF premium, the plays that Matt Canada has run in these first couple of weeks. These there's there's no spacing there's no picks and rubs there's no getting guys on these shallow crossers that can get open yards after the catch stuff the Steelers according to uh sports info solutions they ran one one slant route the entire week one against the San Francisco 49ers I didn't see what this was this past week I have not had time to look at that yet this week but yeah and then it and one of them is obviously the one that, that Pickett telegraphed him through the pick on, unfortunately, because yeah. I, I don't want them, don't Canada, don't t- say this is, oh, we're just going to stick with our out routes and, 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 and curls now. Don't do that, please. No, I mean, yeah. there's there, there's plays where it's a four verts and you only got one, one guy in route that's a legitimate option. They did that at the goal line in week one. There are plays with three curls and one out route. What's your max potential on that play? You're going to get five yards on the out and then maybe turn it upfield for a few more before you hit the sideline. It's like, Nothing has the potential to be explosive. Like, and I, I said this yesterday in the curtain calls chain. I'm like, if I could give Canada one piece of advice, I'd say, please watch Mike McDaniel and in, in yeah. some what some of what he does uh, in Miami because I think that his offense is the anti-Canada offense. It's it's all about utilizing your skill players. It's all about getting guys in space and allowing them to work after the catch. Now, obviously, it, undeniably, the Dolphins have better skill players than the Steelers. Nobody's going to argue that. But that doesn't mean that Steelers can't increase their offensive potential uh, if the passing concepts weren't so bad. And so if you ask my opinion, yes, I'm ready for Canada to be done. I was ready for him to be done this past offseason. I think it was a mistake moving forward with him even just because he had a year remaining on his contract. And so I would love to have a discussion with anybody who wants, wants to argue that I've seen enough of the all 22. I've seen enough of his passing concepts over the past two years in the first two games of this season to say that I think he is just bad. I genuinely, genuinely think he is yeah. just bad. And I've got one more stat uh, to show. Well, I, I wish I could put this graphic up, Shane. We're doing this live right now. But the Steelers passing and rushing EPA so far this season. It's two-game sample. So take take that for what it is. Their passing and rushing EPA so far this season is in a quadrant of its own. Yeah, it is, it is so they are far, separately from the rest of the league. How about they, that? they are? They are so far down below. If you want this graphic is floating out on Twitter. I put it on my Twitter account. If, if you want to take a look at that at some point, they are so far down in the bottom left corner in terms of EPA by themselves that the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, Shane, they are closer to being the best offense 
in the league in terms of EPA than they are to the Steelers. The Panthers are closer to being the best offense in the NFL than they are to the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. You cannot tell me, you cannot convince me that this is just a talent issue yeah. because I've seen the players that Adam Thielen is your best receiver. I know the Panthers offense isn't that much more talented than the Steelers. This stems from coaching. When you're, when you're uh, offensive, or excuse me, when you're rushing EPA and your passing EPA are in a quadrant of their own, this stems from the coaching and, yes. and something has to be done about this. This cannot continue. Uh, it's, it's shameful. It really is shameful, Shane. Uh, all right. Enough about that. We've talked about some of the things that Steelers need to do here. I think my take is, is fire Matt Canada. I don't know mm -hmm. what the solution is. You're going to ask me, okay, then who do you get? I don't care. At it doesn't point. matter at this point. Like, That's the I've thing. The it doesn't matter. matter. I, I generally don't care. I don't think you can go any lower. Like I think you've, you've literally hit rock bottom that may, and maybe Canada will improve for the remainder of the season. But in terms of an actual coordinator that you can bring in, it's not going to get a whole lot worse than what we've seen. All right, enough about this rant. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. And if you are joining us here in the live chat, please drop your questions for us. We'll see what we can get time to. we got to sign off here around 2.30 today. Uh, let's talk about Steelers versus Raiders. Let's preview this game, Shane. Biggest things to watch for in week three. I think this one's a little bit more attainable maybe than last I, I feel i feel more comfortable about playing the raiders although this team has not been very successful going out to the west coast and, and, and playing the raiders on their own turf uh that's something to keep in mind here uh in terms of odds let's start with the odds here uh the steelers are two and a half point underdogs that kind of sucks because the raiders aren't that good of a football team really and, and you look at offenses i mean raiders offense has been right near bottom of the barrel right here so far in these first two games as well uh but that's kind of i, I Vegas kind of has them as a pick them. So if this was on a level playing field, if you don't know how this works, uh, the, the odds, you always are given three points for home field advantage. So this is essentially a pick them game and they're, and they're giving those three points uh, to the Raiders. So maybe the Steelers would be slight favorites if this was played at Accra. Sure. Uh, a couple point favorites there. So two, two and a half point underdogs. Is that a fair line to start this game off with? Jay? I think it almost at this point has to be considered fair because they're assuming that the Steelers aren't going to score 14 points on defense again. Right. Cause like yeah. if you, okay, let's assume that we score a roughly 10 points. Right. Cause that's what we've been scoring. Raiders can probably score yep. 13. Right. Even, even if they're bad, that's like, what they're averaging is 13 and a half. Exactly. The Raiders. So like, they're probably like, you know what, you know, that seems fair. And I hate to say that, but like, they're right. Until we uh -huh. prove that we can score even 20 points offensively without the help yeah. of the defense. Like how can you favor this team with any kind of certainty? Cause it's so much, mm -hmm. there's going to be so much variance involved. Like, yeah, if the defense scores a touchdown, yeah, we'd probably win. You know, that's just usually how that happens, you know, how that works. But, or if we have a you know, punt return or something for a touchdown. But outside of that, I mean, they have to prove to the rest of the league and to Vegas in the case of the odds mm. that they can score points first. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's, it's hard to blame odds makers for this, obviously. Yeah. And I think that, I think that they're going with the, the, the safe line here and you're going to get, a lot of people betting on the Steelers probably at that plus two and a half. Yeah, which uh, they're, is they're, they're fair. plus plus one fourteen odds is what they have right now. So, and I understand that you're trying to try to make a few bucks there, but uh, yeah, I, Steelers offense is not giving you a lot of reason to be confident. That's for sure. So far, uh, over under for that game is set at forty three and a half points right now, which is probably a little bit high considering uh, the the lack of offense both of these teams have had through two weeks so far. So Shane and I will get to our predictions here in just a few minutes. Uh, let's move on to the matchups to watch in this, Shane. What these really, we always like to highlight the biggest matchups and mm -hmm. things to keep an eye on 
the most. And so I want to start off right away with uh, by far the best defensive player on the Raiders. One of the best in the league, I think, in terms of overall impact. Obviously, the edge rusher position is so important. It might be the most important position on the defensive side of the football. It can just impact the game any given play, uh, and the best ones can do it at a high level. Max Crosby is right up there. I mean, he's right up there. He, he might not be on par with with a Parsons or a healthy TJ Watt or, or Garrett, but I mean, he's just a step below those guys. This guy is a disruptor uh, in every sense of the word. And so having him go against Chuksakorafor, who is coming off of a 37-graded game against the Cleveland Browns going up against primarily uh, Zadarius Smith on that right side there did not look very good. Not that anybody did on the offensive line, Shane, but this is a tall task. And I'm going to tell you right now, if they don't treat Max Crosby the way that Cleveland just treated Watt and you are chipping him all the time to give help on your right tackle, then there's an issue here that stems as high as Mike Tomlin to say, yes, this is what you need to be doing. Neutralize the biggest threat on this team, which is Max Crosby. Yeah, they, they have to, right? Because Okorafor has not been – he's been better than Moore, but being better than Moore is being anybody because he's – That's not a high bar to clear He's right quite now. literally the worst half in the league through two weeks. But they do need to treat him very similarly to how a lot of teams treat Watt and really just the other top edge rushers, right? It's like you cannot mm -hmm. allow your tackle to have one-on-ones with him very often because right now the Raiders' interior defensive line and the rest of their defensive – front in general just isn't doing a whole lot of anything outside of Crosby. Yeah. So you can afford to let Dan Moore try to survive against, you know, how, how, whoever they end up putting out there, whether it's the first round pick for them this year, or whoever it is, they can, he can handle that matchup better than a core four is going to handle Crosby. Right. Or if they flip flop. And if Moore can't handle that Shane, it's well, time versus. Yeah, well, I mean, I just think Jones should play anyway, but that's beside the point. I'm working with what I know we're going to see. But, oh, yeah. yeah, Crosby's going to be a factor in this game, whether we want him to be or not. No matter what we do, he's going to be. But if we can at least mitigate that issue and try to give the offensive line some mm. confidence to say, hey, you guys went out there and beat those guys up. Yeah, they're bad, but it doesn't matter, right? Like, you, you beat them up. Like, you have, you have to get something going. And if, the, if it doesn't yeah. happen this week, especially on the interior, right? Like, the tackles are just not good, so, like, it might not matter that much. But – if the interior players who I really trusted a lot more, if they can't get it going against this Raiders defensive line, mm -hmm. then we're really going to have to start to wonder if there's any hope for them to really get it going this year. So you hope yeah. that a core four can hold up well enough with some help. Yeah. I mean, I agree that this is a big matchup for the Steelers because Crosby has some of that game wrecking ability he does, where he can, he gets a, a few sacks. Those are drive killers. And so account for this guy, please account for this guy. If you account for one person on defense, this is the guy that you need yes, to be studying please. all week long. Uh, let's talk about uh, the next matchup. The highlight here, Steelers cornerbacks against Devonte Adams. Adams is good. Still. I know he's getting up there in age. He's not the most athletic receiver at this point, but my goodness, he is one of the most consistent receivers in the league and already looks again, like he's going to have another really strong season for the Raiders. Uh, the Steelers have to account for this guy on offense. That is the one guy that you need to know where he is at all times on the, uh, for, for their defense. And it is a little bit scary, Shane, considering just how beat up Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace have gotten uh, each of these first two weeks against Mari Cooper against Brandon. Ayuk. just had a, a essentially perfect game uh, against the Steelers in week one. And so yeah. that cannot happen. Uh, if Brandon, Ayuk can do it. So can Devonte Adams. And yeah. so he he's well capable of, 
of having one of those eight catch 140 yard type of performances and a touchdown against the Steelers. They can't allow that to happen because that means he's cooking. The offense is firing up more so than it has instead of being right now. Uh, the, the Raiders are tied for last in the league in points per game. Let's keep it that way, please, because we want to show that the Steelers defense has something in it to, to kind of pitch a, one of those shutout type games uh, against a team that shouldn't score that many points against them. But if somebody's going to, it's going to be demonic. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dante Adams. The problem is, like, this is, like, the worst possible matchup for this team other than, like, mm. Tyreek Hill or somebody with elite speed. Yeah. Because... No one's staying with him. Like, if we're being honest, like such a good route runner too. Yeah, the the route running and the fact that all of our corners that are playing consistently are guys who have lost a step laterally and and down the field. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just it's a nightmare. Like, I I I have to just assume that he's going to go off for like 130 yards. We just have to hope it doesn't matter, right? Like that's that's ultimately what it means. Like, if he's going to get his, it means that the next guy we're going to talk about in the matchup with him can't get his also the rest of the receivers have to be able to be, you know, kept in check and Garoppolo has to turn the ball over a couple of times, you know, whether that's us getting to him on strip sacks, like we've been doing, or if it's picking off a pass, cause he's going to throw you a couple of probably, it's just kind of how he is. You have to make plays elsewhere. Cause I, I just don't trust them to really do much against Adams. Yeah, I think so too. And I think uh, Jacoby Myers will probably be back from that concussion this week. Yeah, if I, if like, I had to yeah. guess, had a pair of touchdowns in week one. And so I, uh, I mean, Still, regardless, Adams is the guy you have to focus on. You yes. got to make sure that he doesn't pick you apart because Garoppolo, that's that's going to be his first read in a lot of these plays. And I uh, don't want him to, to get into rhythm early, early there either. Uh, another matchup I have highlighted here, Shane Steelers linebackers against Josh Jacobs. Jacobs has not done much from a rushing standpoint so far this season. Obviously, it was terrific last year. I just had an amazing breakout year 
which is kind of odd uh, at that st the stage of his career that he was already in. But Jacobs can do a lot of damage as a receiver too. And one thing that the Steelers linebackers have not been known for over these past several years is their coverage ability. So if you get this guy sneaking out of the backfield, you cannot just let him just tear you apart on these Texas routes and on, on a wheel route coming out of, out of the backfield. You need to show that they can have tight coverage. You can stick with them. I've been uh, more impressed with the linebacker play uh, this past week than I have of really all the linebacker play last year. Like that's how bad it was, yeah. uh, but they got to show that they can do this consistently uh, come downhill, make those plays on Josh Jacobs and especially kind of shut him out of that receiving game as well. Don't let him be that check down option. Yeah. So my biggest concern is Josh Jacobs, like you said, has been really dreadful as a runner through two games, 28 mm -hmm. carries, 46 yards, yeah. under two yards per carry. It kind of feels like he's due. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. Going against Steelers right now is probably a good way to get going against the run or as far as in your run game. And I do hope that he's not going to have a true, like, you know, 180 yard, like crazy breakout type performance. But this is a guy that did it last year a lot, and he certainly yeah. could do it this year still. And, and you talked about the receiving ability, and he certainly has it. My, my thing is if you get him in space, can they tackle him? Because so far they have not given me any reason to think they can tackle guys in space. I mean, there's a lot of ugly reps just in this last game is, is oh, yeah. not just by the linebackers, but just by the team in general. And Jacobs is one of those guys, if you don't tackle him, he, he's, yeah. he's already hard enough to tackle as it is. If you can't get him down in space, it's going to get ugly really fast. Yeah. I mean, for how many tackles they missed on a quarterback last yeah. week into Sean Watson, you can bet that for a pro bowl level running back that they're, that they have the chance to, to be equally as bad there. The tackling has to improve all around. Yes, that's not just that's on the linebackers. It's everybody, issue, yeah. but the tackling was horrendous this past game. The Steelers got to clean that up. Uh, next one I have highlighted here, Shane, Alex Highsmith against Colton Miller. One of the better left tackles in the league, just a pure yes. fluid pass protector, very athletic uh, tackle has been good for years now. And so Highsmith has, he's had some difficult mashups early on. You get Trent Williams. I mean, the, that that's the hardest. doesn't get any worse than that. So week one, uh, probably the best tackle left tackle in the league for my money, uh, get a little bit of a break against Jedrick Wills had some nice plays, obviously the strip sack. Uh, and then the other play came in coverage. And so it didn't really have anything to do with the tackle matchup there, but this week you're going back to another hard matchup uh, against Colton Miller, who is again, is, is one of the best uh, pass protectors in the league. And so I'd like to be able to see him feast a little bit over there because I have a feeling that the, 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 uh, the Raiders are going to take some notes from the, the Browns game plan, kind of try to neutralize Watt a little bit. Now Watt still got his uh, record breaking sacks and we didn't talk about that at all, but congrats to Watt. Yes. We knew that was coming real early at some point. This no season. surprise there. Yeah. No surprise at all. And it's going to be a record that is, that is not easily broken. I will say that Watt gets it at 28 years old, going to turn 29 next month. Uh, and that's probably a record he's going to hold onto for a long time there. Uh, but back to Highsmith, I think he's going to have to win that one-on-one -on -one with Colton Miller because it's going to be much of the same for why I have a feeling you're going to chip him with a, a running back or tight end routinely uh, to get him a little off balance there, make the, the right tackles job a little bit easier. And so if, if Highsmith can get a couple quick wins, another strip sack in this game, like one of those game-changing type plays, like we saw a pair of those from him this past week, we cannot expect that. Uh, but if he can do that, that'll be big for the Steelers. And we'll see how that matchup goes. Uh, and then uh, one more matchup that I have highlighted here, Shane, for today is I've got Kenny Pickett against himself because I, I really think that that's, that's the biggest monster he needs to defeat right now is, is his own timidness, his skittishness in the pocket, 
he needs to get that confidence back like we've never seen it before. The confidence that he was soaring in the preseason when everything was just so easy against second, third stringers. He's had such a hard task against some really, really good front sevens these first two games, like I've already pointed out. But if he can get that confidence back in himself, say, yeah, I don't need to rush. I'm good. Deliver an accurate pass. Stand tough in the pocket. Don't don't get skittish in there. And then, yes, use your legs. By all means, don't use it because you're you're just bailing on the pocket. You're worried about getting hit. Use it because that's what you do, Kenny Pickett. You, you can extend the plays. You can make things happen with your legs. You can throw accurately on the run. So if, if Pickett can get out of his own head, Shane, I think that he has the potential. I'm not giving up on him yet. I think that he has potential for this bounce back performance here. The one that fans are dying to see one that we need to see the Steelers have to score. They have to score 20 plus points in this game. You can't stay on this trend of dismal offensive performances. And Shane, I would love nothing more. If, if, it, if it meant that the defense has a, a lousy game this week, I would love nothing more than to see Pickett go off for 300 yards and two or three touchdowns. Like that is the type of game we have not seen from Pickett yet. That is the type of game that we need to see from him. Yeah, I, I'll just say this with, with Kenny. Um, I wish with all my heart that Matt Cannon would get some moving pockets going, man. Like get him on the move on purpose. Get get it to where the line cannot literally cannot collapse around him because mm-hmm. there's no way for it to happen, and just start throwing some stuff down the field in those situations and and to yeah. the sideline on longer plays. Like, give him something that he can just you know. I want to see half the field. Let's get the offense moving. And I don't want him to become a you know half field read quarterback or anything like that. He isn't, but make it easier. And this is the main thing that's really killing me is that everything is so hard. He makes the offense as difficult mm-hmm. it feels like it's possible because he removes the ability for it to be based on chunk plays. Getting a chunk play is so important in the NFL. You look at the statistics on that. Explosive plays mean so much for scoring points because it just makes it easier. Now, okay, now I don't have to get seven mm-hmm. first downs on this drive to score a touchdown. Now I need yep. three. So, like it's just and it only makes harder. sense Shane the, the more explosive plays you have the more chance that one of those explosive plays leads to a touchdown or is a touchdown exactly. in itself so yeah I, I agree with you we, we said this again yesterday on on the other show don't live to get into third and manageable situations right. we, we certainly try to get a first down on every play I mean obviously it's not going to happen every every single yeah. run play but try essentially that should be uh, what you're trying to accomplish, try to get a first down all the time. And let's see this connection with, with uh, Pickens again, like down the sideline and Pickett, mm-hmm. Pickens obviously had a great game that the 71 yarder after the catch. So that really helped uh, kind of secure that win for the Steelers there as well as the defensive plays, but don't stop doing the, the sideline stuff either. I know I said, I, we don't want it to come down to a third and a YOLO ball to Pickens, but at the same time, Use your players to their strengths. Pickens is remarkable in one-on-one situations. If you can find him down the field, Kenny, let him do some of the dirty work for you as well. So I think, I really think it is a lot of uh, Pickett against himself this week, just getting out of his own head, kind of getting back into a rhythm here. Uh, Be that player that people want you to be, that you have confidence in yourself, that you can be, make that second year jump, show us that you are the quarterback of this football team. And so I think that it starts this week. It starts against a, a much more manageable uh, defense that you're going up against uh, show that you can be that guy. All right, Shane, we've only got a few more minutes left before we'll have to sign off here for today. Uh, let's quit quickly give our uh, keys to success for Steelers. So Shane, go ahead and give me one offensive and one defensive key to success for Pittsburgh. 
So offensively, you have to run the ball for 100 yards or more because until you can get the run game going, Matt Cannon's offense doesn't work. We've seen that. Last year, Mm -hmm. at the end of the season, when it was working a little bit better, when the points were coming up a slight bit, it was because they were running the football real good. That just makes it it much easier to deal with his manage to get the third down style play because if you can stay Mm -hmm. ahead of the chains, you're going to have a chance that if you execute, you can at least get the ball down the field, get some field goals, get some touchdowns. That's really the number one thing. And then defensively, you ha- you have to attack Jimmy Garoppolo and make him have to get the football out either quickly so that we have an opportunity to keep Devonta Adams from getting his deep shots down the field that he's so good at tracking and everything else. And it also just has more opportunities for big plays to happen mm-hmm. defensively, whether it's strip sacks, whether it's forced ball into coverage because he has to get the ball out, whatever it is. Make them make mistakes because McDaniels ultimately – he wants to just run this kind of rhythmic, quick passing game. He wants to do all that stuff. You can take him out of that and keep him from being able to just pinpoint passes, and that's what Garoppolo has been good at in the past. You're going to do just fine defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my offensive key, Shane, is I, I want to see a U-shaped pocket all <laughs> yeah. night long on Sunday night yeah. football because I understand. I give you a little bit of a little bit of leeway these first two games. Now the mm-hmm. offensive line play is still inexcusable, but you went against yeah. some really, really talented players and units overall. Now going against essentially what is just equates to Max Crosby, contain him, get that pocket going, let allow Pickett to get comfortable. If they are not good in pass protection this game, we've got some serious problems. And I think I think Broderick oh, yeah. will have to come in immediately. And I, I hate to say I, I hate to think that there's a talent issue. So far beyond that, like I'm not convinced that Mason Cole's a guy. I'm not convinced that Okorafor is a long-term option at right tackle. I think those guys are players that you eventually need to replace. Yeah. But I'd like to be able to get through this season and have a lot, a lot of confidence in this offensive line that it is trending in the right direction. And uh, that I mean, that's going to help Pickett in his success, obviously, as well. He just had no time to work with last week. Got to get him in a pocket. Defensively, Shane, I think the key is going to be to get Garoppolo a little bit flustered early on offense, right. uh, bring a couple of blitzes, Highsmith Watt getting after the quarterback because we know that Garoppolo is not known for his athletic traits. He's not a guy that's going to kill you getting escaping outside the pocket. He wants to stay in the pocket and deliver the ball comfortably in rhythm, uh, in timing. And so get him flustered early uh, to have, have somebody come right up the, the middle and smash him once or twice. And so if, if they can get him out of rhythm, uh, the Steelers should be able to, to control all the momentum on the de- defensive side of the ball there. All right, Shane and I are going to close with our predictions for the Steelers versus Raiders in week three because it's kind of like this uh, vintage matchup that we saw uh, last week on the Christmas Eve game, and it came down to a frigid, frigid game. Uh, Kenny, two gloves picket, making that game-winning drive. Uh, no, Not a lot of offense prior to that. Uh, do you think that this game is going to go in a similar fashion as we saw last time? Is it going to be a defensive struggle? Is it going to be a slop fest like we just saw against the Browns? What are your predictions with a score for us, Shane? So I have 21-17 Steelers. I think that they do probably get a touchdown from another avenue than offense again Mm -hmm. for that to happen, but I'm going to pick them to win some way, somehow, with that 21-17 score. I I just think they're a better overall team than the Raiders still, and at some point the offense has to get going, and if there's ever a time for it, it would be against this Raiders defense who just got freshly carved up by Josh Allen. He didn't even do any of his crazy Mm -hmm. stuff. He just – move the ball down the field consistently. And guess what? That's what Canada wants to do. So, Hey, maybe they can do it against a team like this. Okay. Going with the, going with the, the 21, 17, I've got the Steelers 19 to 17. I'm Probably smashing yeah. the under this week. Oh, yeah. I'm smashing oh, the yeah. under four yeah. teams that average nine and a half points and 13 and a half points respectively yeah. in this game. 
Uh, I know this, this is on the road. I, I, I don't think it's, I, I think it's going to be one of those low scoring affairs. Now, obviously I'm hopeful, Shane, I'm hopeful that the Steelers can come out and score 24, 27 points until they prove that to me until they prove that with this unit in this year, I'm just not going to buy it. I'm going to go under with the point total, but I am betting on the Steelers for those that are betting the Steelers have plus plus one fourteen odds or on DraftKings, You get them right now. Uh, I do feel somewhat confident in that, but it's, it, it's not anything that I'm going to be putting a, a, a 50 spot on or anything no. in this game no. for, uh, I, I think it could, could generally go either way. I've got 1917 Steelers. Uh, those are our predictions. Make sure you leave yours in the comment section for us. And we'd love to be able to reply back to you. For those of you who are here in the live chat or for any listeners at home, uh, we are here every single Wednesday live at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. Please join us. Uh, Shane and I love doing this. We love getting your thoughts, your interactions with us as well. Uh, please subscribe to the Silk Curtain Podcast and uh, so we can continue to bring you coverage. We plan on bringing you two shows per week for the time being. All right. Uh, thank you all for joining us today on the show. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Silk Curtain Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain Podcast. And thanks for joining us on the Still Curtain Podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.